0: Welcome to Frolic Harder and welcome to For the Haters two bat nips.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I love just <laughs> Bat nips Everybody's immediately gonna know what we're talking about as soon as you're like for the haters part two bat nips. I hope there's so. like there's only one technically two ways that this could go. There's there's two movies, but we're gonna I, focus today. Hold
0: hold please. I'm holding. I'm good at this now. Oh I am not want to get you too far.
1: Oh wait! I'm gonna let you finish, but
0: <laughs> my name is Matt. I'm this <laughs> is my co-host. We're the dynamic duo, and he's Brendan, as you said,
1: like Batman and, and
0: Robin, exactly. And uh, as always, joined by our Alfred producer John, producer Moo, uh, producer uh, Moo. Hi, producer Moo. Hi. <laughs> and before we get started. Make sure this audio makes it in producer John. Will do sir. Oh wait. Uh,
1: oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: All right.
1: That's that's refreshing. What are you what are you drinking?
0: Uh you're not going to like it. I'm I got not. another nice pickle beer.
1: Oh, you're so weird, man. This Ooh, one
0: is beers. tropical punch.
1: Fair enough. That's the sound of pickle beer. <sighs> that's the sound of someone enjoying pickle beer. That sounds delicious. I want some. it's really you good, see. actually. You sound refreshed.
0: If we can get a pickle beer sponsorship, I'm all for it. Pretty sweet. Make it happen, producer. John. Frolic
1: Carter, brought to you by Pickle Beer. Brokey, by- <laughs> hold, hold that can up. We just gotta post that to Twitter. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Just say, Yeah, get the cameo in there. There we go. There we go. will <laughs> right. we'll them all later. Right. Back and to nipples. Back to or bat, bat nipples. nipples. Bipples. Maybe they're Bipples.
0: They're definitely Bipples.
1: Bipples. <laughs> that should be the name of this episode now. Just you, ever seen a good,
0: you ever seen a good Bipple?
1: I, I mean, I've seen him on, on screen a few times here. We're going to talk about him.
0: Let's hear about it.
1: We've got some Bipples. So we're going to talk about Batman Forever today. It's uh, one of those movies where you grew up watching it in the 90s. You loved it. You hated it. Some people hated it more than others. Some people loved it. I mean, how, I did, like... you, how did you feel about Batman Forever?
0: Well, here's the thing. Like you said, uh, we saw this movie growing up. Yes. So I didn't hate it. I didn't either. It's, it's it, got it,
1: like a nostalgia factor for me.
0: Yeah. So at the time, like whatever young age we were, it was a phenomenal movie. It really <laughs> yeah. was. Like... like Jim Carrey. <laughs> why? Oh, why? And this was after we had already seen him in like your Ace Venturas. Yeah. It and... was
1: like Jim Carrey was at the peak. In the yeah. mid 90s when this movie was made. And they were able to lock him made. up in Batman. Right. I mean, this guy was all over the place. He I mean, we'll we'll talk about him in here. We'll get to him. But yeah. uh and, yeah. And if
0: if anyone hasn't noticed, this is sort of like our ongoing series of uh it's essentially the most hated movie in a what would you say? Like a i,
1: I it's just I think it's just movies that people just have not appreciated as much as others. So the haters why it's yeah, it's the haters. It's the it's the trolls, it's the haters, it's like People like to hate things just for the sake of they think it's like trendy to hate it.
0: Just it's like the same trendy. thing as like
1: people are like, like there's food trends. It's like oh yeah, everybody loves this, so now I love it. No, it's not the way it works. These are just some movies just didn't didn't rub people the right way. And that this will be an ongoing series, most likely just going to be movies. So, um, back on back on target here. So, Batman Forever, we all grew up with. Uh, really really fantastic movie if you ever go re-watch it it's so campy it's so corny uh there's costumes are cheesy there's a bat suit with nipples on it that carried over into george clooney's batman as well so we're, we're going to touch on a little bit of that today but let's let's cover batman forever here and just uh start from the beginning so on screen it was literally just known as forever batman forever was like a kind of a, a worldwide community name for it but it was it's inside hollywood it's just known as forever so
0: came you out in, know that.
1: <laughs> i didn't either so that's that was news to me uh so came out in 1995 so right peak mid-90s like we were talking about with jim carrey and all that just peak hollywood peak stardom popularity uh obviously a superhero movie directed by joel schumacher and produced by tim burton So I totally forgot that Tim Burton still produced this one after he did the first two with Michael Keaton, uh, which are, you know, obviously different style completely. Oh yeah. But you could, you could tell. So this is Schumacher's movie. So Batman by, was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger uh, was the third installment of the Warner brothers, initial Batman film series. It is the direct sequel to Batman Returns. So I I didn't know that that was one continuous story until reading into this, but I, I thought it was just like Keaton's Batman, Val Kilmer's, Kilmer's Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. It's actually all part of the same like like world universe.
0: Yeah, I didn't I even consider that as right. a kid.
1: Exactly. I didn't I didn't consider that as an adult. So
0: <laughs> true. Uh,
1: yeah, Val Kilmer just replaced Michael Keaton, and it's the same like series. So it is the third like of that series. Um. So, obviously, Al Kilmer replaced Keaton as Batman. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carey, Nicole Kidman, all these folks pouring in here actually has a pretty star-studded cast. Uh, plot mostly focused on Batman trying to stop Two-Face and the Riddler in their scheme to extract information from all the minds of the folks in Gotham City while adopting an orphaned acrobat named Dick Grayson. Be- also, obviously, became a sidekick.
0: And also important... You he didn't adopt a small child like in the comics. Was like, <laughs> he adopted like a thirty two year old man
1: playing a teenager,
0: <laughs> playing like a fourteen year old. It
1: really it really was like he just showed up at Batman's door and he's like, "Will you dad me?" And he's like, "Okay, sure."
0: I don't know if you have this like further in your notes, but do you remember the like laundry scene?
1: I do remember the laundry scene. And so it's not in my notes. So go ahead, you, if, you can take it. If,
0: if people don't remember this essentially this 14-year-old 32-year-old man decides to do his laundry one day while and this is i don't know why important to the story because he's a badass i guess it was supposed to show you he does his laundry when pulling it out of apparently this washer in Wayne Manor has no spin cycle cuz that shit was soaking wet <laughs> really and they show him like like doing like nunchuck moves with his like heavy wool socks And then, like,
1: whipping them up on a clothesline, right? And like, wringing
0: them out. (laughs) And it's just like dripping water all over the floor. yeah but then he's like whipping him onto the clothesline
1: it felt very three ninjas like when we were a kid it was like yeah. some little child just playing nunchucks with the socks like you were saying so
0: like yeah you don't know how hard i've been training so let me show you
1: imagine I the choreography. Like, the director's like we've got this laundry choreography scene coming up
0: they're like do you want to show him like actually training like in a A karate studio or something like no, 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 no. I got something better. Guys, it's
1: gonna be like a dojo, but a laundry room instead, and not nunchucks, and socks instead of that.
0: Yeah, so now 98-year-old Alfred has to go in there with his mop and (laughs) bucket mop that (laughs) shit up (laughs) up all that water.
1: Trash ass Dick Grayson comes (laughs) in and just makes us just a mess everywhere. But you know, Alfred just like he's he's always like that guy, he's like butters from like South Park. He just has to clean up everybody else's mess. It's
0: yeah, kind of a... and this was by far the oldest Alfred.
1: Oh, God, he was the this guy was so old. Yeah, he was really old. Uh, so uh, Producer
0: John, find that guy's name. I want to give him a shout out. I,
1: I'll, I'll get to it. You I can got t- it. Oh, I got it. Okay. Never mind. Oh. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. You. He's on it. Uh, as far as who uh, Alfred was, it was um, his name here. In my notes was Michael Goff
0: shout out michael goff uh,
1: michael goff was uh, he's still
0: alive is he, is he still with us he is
1: long gone I so. <laughs> like you right, said please. he was ancient in 95 so uh getting back on track so batman adopts 32 year old 14 year old dick grayson uh and obviously developed feelings for psychologist dr chase meridian uh director schumacher mostly skewed the dark dystopian atmosphere of tim burton's films by drawing inspiration from the Batman iconic books of the Dick Sprang era, as well as the 60s television series, after Keaton chose not to reprise the role, uh, William Baldwin and Ethan Hawke were also considered as replacements before Val Kilmer was cast as Batman. So could you imagine I like... I should have Ethan Hawke. <laughs> been one, one of the Baldwin then, right? brothers. Yeah, <laughs> like, how old is Ethan Hawke now? He's pretty old now. He played uh, the, uh, the older gentleman in Moon Knight recently.
0: Yeah, he was yeah, good. He's he's uh, I feel like he would have been really young when Batman came out. I guess Kilmer yeah. was too, though. Technically, yeah,
1: it's true. True.
0: And William Baldwin, I believe, is that the backdraft Baldwin? I no, that well, was Billy.
1: No, that was yeah, I think that was Billy, I which
0: know. I guess is William is Billy.
1: One of the, it's just I, one of the Baldwin
0: brothers. Okay, there we go. God damn
1: Baldwin's. Uh, <laughs> I know. so the movie was released on June 16, 95, got mixed reviews from critics. Uh, a lot of them praised the visuals and some of the performances, but criti- uh, criticized the CGI costume designs and tonal departure from the previous films because it was not Tim Burton's movie. He was just producing a
0: campier. So. Yeah. A lot of campier. Neon. Yeah. neon.
1: Yep. A lot of neon tones. Uh, that was a point in the movie, also, from the, the new uh, director there. The film was definitely a box office success, though. grossed over $336 million. Uh, worldwide before becoming the sixth highest grossing film of 95 also also followed by Batman and Robin in 97 that was with Clooney Uh, Chris O'Donnell definitely came back as Robin and Val Kilmer was like I'm done with the nipples cast someone else so George Clooney took over from that Uh, just to sum up like the main cast of the movie I I kind of said it was a star-studded cast before which it really really was Uh, Val Kilmer obviously is Batman or and Bruce Wayne uh, Tommy Lee Jones is Harvey Dent and Two-Face. Jim Carrey is Edward Nigma, the Riddler. Nicole Kidman playing Chase Meridian obviously was recast from the Michael Keaton uh, original series because the original actress was considered too old. So they went with a younger, and a younger direction. Chris O'Donnell coming in as uh, Dick Grayson, Robin. Uh, Michael Goff we talked about as Alfred Pennyworth. Pat Hingle was James Gordon in this one. George Wallace was the mayor of Gotham City. Drew Barrymore, let's not forget, she was oh Sugar, yes one of Two Face's uh, the angelic like assistant. Yes, with Debbie Mazur playing uh, Two Face's bad or gothic, you know, assistant slash girlfriend. And another guy I- I'm going to hit you with that I didn't know was in this movie, John Favreau was in Batman Forever. The John Favreau that is running like this director. I'm Iron trying Man, to like star run Wars, it John my head right now. Yeah, uh, who was he? I will get to that at a later kind of okay. driven I'm very of this. excited. Uh, yeah, he, it wasn't a big role, but John did, yeah. was in the movie, so we're gonna talk about casting here and how that went, because uh, it was definitely a lot of interesting choices that could have been in this movie that you know would have totally taken this in a different direction. So the production department went on fast track with uh, Renee Russo cast as Chase Meridian in the original series. Uh, But when Michael Keaton decided not to come back as Batman, he did not like the direction that this series was headed in and said, I am out. So Keaton wanted to pursue more interesting roles and turned down $15, $15 million for this movie. So, yeah, it was uh, back in 95. That was a lot of money. 15 mil to play Batman. And he shook his head and said no. Uh, decision was made to go with a younger actor for Bruce Wayne after he you know, Michael Keaton turned it down. An offer was made to he- Ethan Hawke, who turned it down. Uh, Ethan Hawke went on to later say he regretted the decision and would have loved to play Batman. So, kind of hindsight is twenty twenty there. Uh, director Schumacher had seen Val Kilmer in Tombstone, uh, but was also interested in Keanu Reeves, hmm. who would later play the voice of Batman slash uh, Bruce Wayne in the dc league of super pets in 2022 so it was great good yeah movie. yeah keanu reuses batman in that one uh alec and uh william baldwin dean kane tom hanks kurt russell and ray fines who would later voice alfred pennyworth in the lego batman movie um were all considered as well uh, daniel day lewis and, Do- and johnny depp were also up for the casting could you imagine daniel day lewis with Batman? i was just like like, (laughs) trying to
0: imagine that that would be incredible it would
1: be like just so good so so good
0: there's still time
1: uh dean came with scraps as well because uh as he was well known for starring in tv series lewis and clark they said that it was like you can't be in superman and batman like i don't know in today's world of cinematic universes it would have been better accepted but uh, then there was Val Kilmer, who as a child visited the studios where the 1960s uh, series was recorded. And shortly before, he had visited a bat cave in Africa. So he was all batted up and ready to go. Um, <laughs> he was con- uh, Val Kilmer was contacted by his agent for the role. Kilmer signed on without even reading the script or knowing who the director was. So uh, he was all like batted up, like went to the caves in Africa. News. He was just ready to go. So they were just like, you want to play Batman? He just went, yep. No like no question. Don't care who's writing it. Don't care who's directing it. Don't need to see the script. I get to be Batman. So great job. Good on him. Yeah, way to step up. Uh, So with Kilmer's casting, Warner Brothers dropped Russo, considering her, like I said, too old to be paired with uh, Kilmer. Sandra Bullock, Robin Wright, Jeannie Templeton, and Linda Hamilton were all considered for her role, which was eventually recast with Nicole Kidman. So there was really like a lot of actors and actresses right like up in this movie that I didn't like know that they I had, had a show
0: no movie. clue about most of these
1: like Linda Hamilton it would have been yeah. so weird. Um, <clears throat> Billy D. Will- uh, Billy D. Williams took the role of Harvey Dent in Batman on the possibility of portraying Two Face in a sequel, but Schumacher cast Tommy Lee Jones in the role, although Al Pacino. Clint Eastwood, Martin Sheen, and Robert De Niro were all considered for Harvey Dent or Two-Face.
0: Wow. Ah. Ah.
1: Yeah. Like Al, could you imagine Al Pacino just like, Ooh, ah, Batman. Like, I,
0: I can't imagine it.
1: <laughs> so good.
0: So, so um, far in our, in our Batman movie, and I think they're doing so many now we might have a chance. Yeah. We're going to have Daniel day Lewis as Batman, Al Pacino, as harvey dent two-face i like it all right let's keep going
1: uh tommy lee jones was really reluctant to accept the role of two-face but did so only because of his son's insistence so he was like no i don't want to do that stupid two-face thing and his son was like but dad superhero movie you get to be a villain so he did it uh robin williams was in discussions to be the riddler at one point and was reportedly in competition for the role with john malkovich so that was interesting. Uh, in June of 1994, the role was given to Jim Carrey after Williams had reportedly turned down the role. So he was, Robin Williams was originally offered the role of Riddler. Uh, in a 2003 interview, Schumacher stated that Michael Jackson had lobbied hard to be the Riddler, but oh. was turned down before Carrey was cast. Could you, could you imagine? Like, we've got like, <laughs> that just changes and the then Riddler's like, <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, so that would have been, uh, yeah, I guess he was really, really pushing for it. And they're like, nah, we're, we're good on the the Michael Jackson thing. Because he was never considered a good uh, actor.
0: We uh, gotta so. Producer John needs to find a way to, you know, just clip all these different actors together into a Batman movie for us. Yo, yeah, I'll do my best. Thank you. Thank you.
1: So there was uh Brad Duriff, who was uh Tim Burton's original choice to portray the Joker after and Scarecrow after. Um Kelsey Grammer. Huh? Brad Duriff. Who is that? Yeah. he's an actor?
0: Oh who is he though? I don't don't know. Not Uh, familiar to me. Do your thing.
1: Brad Duriff, D-O-U-R-I-F. Uh I'm gonna keep going here. So he was. Like I said, the original uh, choice of Tim Burton for the Joker and Scarecrow after that. Kelsey Grammer, Mickey Dolans, Matthew Broderick, Phil Hartman, Steve Martin, Adam Sandler, and Rob Schneider were also considered.
0: Oh, by Adam Sandler. <laughs>
1: could you imagine? Like, <laughs> like some of these choices, like I had no idea there was this many like A-list actors this and actresses. This is insane. Right. Yeah. Like, it's pretty uh, much these roles. just
0: anyone they could think of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was like, I'm doing a segment specifically on the casting and how wild this could have been. Um, uh, Robin Williams had appeared in the shooting script for Batman Returns, but was deleted due to having too many characters. Uh, Marlon Wayans had also been cast in 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 the role and signed in for a potential sequel. But when Schumer took over, he decided to open up the casting to other actors. Leonardo DiCaprio was also considered, but decided not to pursue the role after meeting with Schumacher. Uh, This is good, though. Matt Damon, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Mark Wahlberg, Michael Wirth, Danny Dyer, Toby Stevens, Ewan McGregor, Jude Law, Alan Cumming, and Christian Bale were all up for Batman as well. So
0: No no Affleck?
1: No no Batfleck (laughs) at this point. Damn. Uh, Scott Speedman was also later to be rumored uh, as part of the consideration. So uh, that would have been a just a tragic casting I think if they got Scott Speedman in there he's uh had better days neither before or ahead of him he was just always kind of a middle-of-the-road guy to me um Chris O'Donnell was cast and Mitch Gaylord was served as uh, served as a stunt double also per, uh Mitch Gaylord the guy that was uh, O'Donnell's stunt, stunt double also was in the movie as Dick's older brother Mitch sure. Grayson so they basically wrote that point specifically for him because they really liked having him on set that much. they uh-huh. so like, we're just going to give you an actual part in this movie. But oh, well, he was guy. still, yeah, well, he was still O'Donnell's stunt double. Um, Schumacher attempted to create a cameo role for Bono from U2 as his Macphisto character. Uh, huh. But both came to agree it was not suitable at the time. So Quite the wide array of casting options and possibilities that could have been, would have been. Uh, I definitely think that they went with the right direction with the, the people that they brought in. I, it's hard to imagine this movie going in a different direction than it actually went in from what we remember. Uh, there was, however, some trouble on the set in uh, in in Gotham City, if you will.
0: I was hoping you were going to talk about this.
1: I know you know. I, I think yeah. you know what I'm going to bring up here. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to it here. So Schumacher and Kilmer definitely clashed while they were making Batman Forever. Schumacher described Kilmer as being exceptionally childish and impossible, uh, reporting that he fought with various crewmen and refused to speak to Schumacher for two weeks while filming the movie. Could you imagine like your lead actor and not talking to the director for two whole weeks while you're creating a movie? He's just well, like, he's, action. And he's like, yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> he's, he's the ice man.
1: He really is though um so basically after the director told him to stop being so rude he finally did you know they came to an uh, agreement to speak again Schumacher also mentioned I think this is what you wanted to hear that Tommy Lee Jones as a source of trouble uh, on the set uh, yeah. thought Jim Carrey <laughs> Th- though Schumacher said Jim Carrey was a gentleman and Tommy Lee was threatened by him Uh, Saying, I'm tired of defending Overpaid, overprivileged actors I pray I don't work with them Ever again Jim Carrey later acknowledged that Tommy Lee Jones Was just a dick to him on set Uh, Telling him once off set Production, I think this is what you were waiting to hear Tommy Lee told uh, Jim Carrey I hate you I really don't like you I cannot sanction your buffoonery So that was one of my favorite things. Like, I would just love to hear Tommy Lee Jones tell Jim Carrey, "I will not sanction this kind of
0: buffoonery." Like, aside, aside from this quote, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say buffoonery.
1: Right? It's it was so good, and I like when, I know of
0: the word, and I've never heard anyone use it.
1: When I hear that whole line, like I cannot sanction your buffoonery, I hear it in
0: in his voice, Tommy
1: Lee Jones' yes. voice. Yeah. Um. So some other box office notes I have, just because of how like record-breaking this movie was at the time for money uh batman forever opened to uh in a record 2,842 theaters and 4,300 screens just in the united states and canada on june 16th of 95 grossing 52.8 million in its opening weekend breaking jurassic park's record for highest opening gross of all time it was surpassed two years later by the lost world which I think we're going to be touching on that. I, in this I will be the covering that one. <laughs> uh, the, in the, for the haters, uh, <laughs> this might be for the haters part three. Uh, so here's a little sneak peek, everybody. You will get Jurassic Park, The Lost World at some point. Uh, for six years, it had been the largest opening weekend for a Warner Brothers film until 2001, when it was surpassed by none other, none other than Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone.
0: Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> right, I
1: know. That's why I was like, here we go. No, no, Matt's <laughs> going to be all pissy about it. No, I said I'm yeah. holding off
0: my slander for, for a little now. while. For
1: now. You are. It's, for it's now. Because of uh, of Hagrid's untimely passing. That's
0: right. Best part you're of whole, the movie. You're whole. Wow. Damn yeah, that's right. I said it. I got a soft
1: spot. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> uh, the film also achieved the highest June opening weekend, uh, holding that record until it was beaten by Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me in 1999, <laughs> and Hulk four years later in 2003. It was the first film to gross $20 million in one day on its opening day on Friday. It grossed $77.4 million in the first week, uh, which was below the record of $81.7 million set by Jurassic Park. Additionally, the film held the record for having the highest opening weekend for a superhero film until it was taken by X-Men in 2000. Uh, that year, How the Grinch Stole Christmas took Batman Forever's record for scoring the biggest opening weekend for any Jim Carrey uh, movie, while the film was overtaken by Pocahontas during its second weekend. Really, this is really aging the movie. Right. It still made $29.2 and then became the first film of 95 to reach uh, $100 million domestically. Uh, the film started its international rollout in Japan of June 17th of 95, so just after the U.S. release. Grossed $2.2 million in five days from 167 screens, so not a lot, uh, which was only 80% of the gross of its predecessor, Batman Returns. The film went on to gross $184 million in the U.S. and Canada and $152.5 million in other countries, totaling that number I stated earlier in the, in the episode of $336.53 million. Uh, film grossed more than Batman Returns and is the highest grossing film from 1995 in the U.S., so really good numbers there for the time. Uh, extrapolate that to like 2022, probably made like close to a billion dollars. Yeah. So we're going to get into the, uh, the closing segment of this episode. Just some off the wall facts about the movie. Maybe people didn't know here. So we're going to start off with uh, Tim Burton strongly opposed the title of the movie having saying, I always hate, I, I always hated those titles like Batman Forever, Burton said. Sounds like a tattoo that somebody would get or something some kid would write in a yearbook. Just Batman Forever. So Tim Burton was not a fan, but he only produced the movie and had no say in what the title was. Uh, Scarecrow was originally one of the villains in the movie. Uh, the Batman Forever, we all know today, sees the Dark Knight do battle with two of his greatest foes, Two-Face and the Riddler. This wasn't always the plan, though. Uh, In the initial draft of the screenplay by Lee Batchelor and Janet Scott Batchelor, the plan had been for the Riddler to have a different partner in crime from Batman's famous robes gallery, the Scarecrow. However, when Schumacher signed on to direct the film, he hired Akiva Goldsman to rewrite the script completely. Scarecrow was disregarded immediately. So basically, they just saw that and said, first things go into Scarecrow. Uh, Along with the original planned return of Catwoman, who was supposed to be in it as well. Ultimately, Scarecrow would not appear in live action until 2006 with Batman Begins with uh, Cillian Murphy playing the role opposite Christian Bale. So I honestly think that personally, the Christian Bale Bale trilogy is my favorite. Yeah, Uh, it's so good. The Dark Knight is probably the best superhero movie ever made, in my personal opinion. Uh, There is a longer and darker version of the film that to this day may still be released i need that batman forever hasn't always been too well regarded by fans of the franchise with many having complained that it's too lighthearted, commercialized campy however the film was released into cinemas and for some uh, and for home entertainment said so be very different from joel schumacher's original director's cut which was reportedly much darker while the released film is two hours long schumacher's final cut ran 40 minutes longer So there are still 40 minutes of content out there that we have not seen from the director's cut. It's possible the cut of Batman Forever can still be released. The rumor has it that Warner Brothers considered putting it out on DVD back in 2005 to mark the the film's 10th anniversary. But since Schumacher's death in June of 2020, some fans have been rallying again for Warner Brothers to release the director's cut. So, so, basically, they're saying, in honor of the director passing away, we want to see the full movie. Uh, I would absolutely, like you said, I'd love to see that, like a darker version of Batman. I, I
0: don't. I can't imagine what it what it would be. I don't know. I, I assume it's, it's, like it's so campy.
1: It may. Do you think it would be like more like Christopher Nolan style? I am.
0: I mean the. The Burton ones, I guess, were like fairly dark for the time. Like, is it?
1: They were both dark that, and think? campy. I think. Yeah, it had, a, it had a definitely like. It has a style. It's
0: the Burton style. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a it's Gothic definitely. horror kind yeah, uh, Danny DeVito eating the fish and the blood coming out yes. you know, like, Oh yeah, yeah, it was pretty it bites brutal. The dude's nose. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: Hundred percent. Uh, so the next thing we're going to talk about here is how Chris O'Donnell crashed the Batmobile. Uh, I did not actually know this happened for real. So after Chris O'Donnell's orphan acrobat, Dick Grayson is taken in by Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne. It's not, young, it's not long before the young scamp discovers his new guardian secret identity, which as we remember happened pretty fast in the movie. He's like, oh, wait, wait. Oh, you're Batman, like five minutes in. So naturally he takes the Batmobile out for a joyride. Uh, Chris O'Donnell actually demanded to be allowed to do all of his own driving stunts. Um, But just as Dick uh, Grayson lands in trouble For taking the Batmobile in the movie So did Chris O'Donnell Bit off a little bit more he could chew with this one The actor accidentally wound up crashing The expensive vehicle into a curb uh, Severely denting Offender in the process Luckily nobody was injured In uh, Chris O'Donnell's buffoonery In his buffoonery I (laughs) I
0: will not stand For his buffoonery (laughs) I
1: I cannot sanction his buffoonery Like (laughs) Uh, here we go. I'm going to talk about Jon Favreau here. Uh, so he got an early role in the movie, a minor supporting role in Batman Forever, wound up having a monumental impact on his uh, superhero movies, though. So Jon Favreau at the time was 29 years old. He was uh, just kind of an actor going from small role to small role. Uh, Favreau briefly appeared in the movie as an unnamed assistant in Bruce uh, of Bruce Wayne's. He could be seen in uh, to the right of Val Kilmer in the lab sequence. Where Bruce Wayne meets Jim Carrey's Edward Nigma for the first time. Okay, so if you go back and watch that movie when he first meets Edward Nigma, look to Batman like look, what we're seeing on the right hand side. You'll see Va- uh, Favreau following him around as an assistant. So it is a very very minor minor role, but Favreau is has uh, crossed from the the DC universe to the MCU. Good for him. Good for what a what a come up right? <laughs> go from DC to Marvel. For real. <laughs> um. As you'll probably remember, the soundtrack of the al- album was just ridiculously easy.
0: Seal Baby, Kiss from a Rose, who got That's some offspring right, <laughs> on there, if I remember correctly. Here's
1: the thing, though. It, it was a huge soundtrack, but even, even though there were only five songs from the soundtrack were actually in the film, only five on the entire album. Um, it, it was a little neat way to put together soundtracks like young people would buy them. Like It wasn't really a thing they did prior to that was releasing like movie soundtracks. So, Batman Forever was in the forefront of that. Uh, so, you used to go down to your Sam Goody and get your, your cassette tapes back in 95, or at the time, if you were ahead of the curve, your CDs at 90, in 95. I got my, uh,
0: my CD from Warehouse Music.
1: I remember Warehouse. Did you have the Batman Forever soundtrack? I did. Nice. <laughs> I did. It's a good one. I
0: also have, uh, I think my parents got it for me, uh, the original Batman, the Keaton one. I have the Prince I guess it was all yes. printed out, Jack, if you remember yes. Have it on uh, Cassette tape Yes I love yeah. that That's so good what a throwback What <laughs> a relic
1: that belongs in a museum At this point it
0: truly does
1: <laughs> uh, So the, the album was filled With music both featured in the film and, and music allegedly inspired By the film such was the case On Batman's Forever's uh, commercially Released soundtrack album which enjoyed Double platinum uh, Sales That went went double platinum.
0: Inspired by, essentially, this was the precursor to like, the Black Panther, Kendrick Lamar album. Yeah. Yeah. And the new one that just came out. Exactly. Thank you, Batman Forever.
1: Right. It's paving the way for everybody. So like I said, only five of the songs on the album were actually included in the movie, including U2's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, uh, Kill Me, and Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Uh, our other artists uh, went on to feature on the Batman soundtrack, though not necessarily in the movie itself, included PJ Harvey, Nick Cave, and Michael Hutchins of NXS. So nice little, nice little soundtrack there.
0: It was a good one.
1: Uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler haircut plans were changed due to his impeding divorce. Uh, Carrey had a hand in designing the Riddler costumes for Batman Forever, which I didn't know. He had all his own input I on the in I... costume. <laughs> Uh, Stuck to the lime green color scheme and the question mark motif associated with the character, most famously from uh, Frank Gershon's take on the 60s Batman show. At one point, Jim Carrey had another idea for the character, and that was to shave a question mark shape into his hair. Uh, But that haircut idea was abandoned due to the circumstances of his own private life. Uh, Carrie was going through a divorce at the time and needed to appear in court as part of these proceedings and felt like the question mark shaved into the head was a, was a bit much for real life yeah. legal issues. So
0: I feel like they, they would be somewhat understanding of that.
1: Yeah. It, basically, Jim Carrey just said that showing up to court with a question mark shaved you in his head probably, a wouldn't, probably wouldn't go down. Yeah. well. So, uh, Val Kilmer shot the movie back to back with Heat. Which was a great movie. If you haven't seen Al Pacino, yeah, -ah. wow, Although Batman Forever isn't generally held up as one of Kilmer's best films, the actor shot the uh, the film Heat immediately before starting work on what would become to be regarded one of his career highlights. Heat, writer director Michael Mann's epic crime drama, uh, centered centered around Al Pacino Uh, as an LAPD detective determined to take down Robert De Niro's bank robber. Uh, Kilmer takes on a key supporting role in Heat as Chris Scheher- Scheherlis, I think was his last name, the right hand man of De Niro's Neil McCauley. Production on Heat and Batman Forever was so close that it, uh, at first look, it looked like Kilmer could not do both films. He'd have to pick one or the other until his schedule was carefully rearranged. Interestingly, Keanu Reeves, also a contender to play Batman in Batman Forever, was the second choice behind Kilmer in Heat as well. Oh. So. Uh, Keanu Reeves I can't was the, always the bridesmaid, never the bride in the mid '90s. There, aside from he was doing like Bill and Ted, uh, a couple other things, but yeah, he was taking point a backseat to Bill Kilmer. Point uh, Break, my guy. Point, point Break, there you go. It's a good one. Uh, it's the first Batman movie to hint being in the same universe as Superman. Today, we're all kind of accustomed to the comic book based cinematic universes. Uh, multiverses are becoming commonplace. Back in the 90s, that was still a radical concept. Although the studio Warner Brothers had already made movies uh, about other great DC comic icons such as Superman, there was no suggestion that Batman was actually part of the same story world at first. That changed with a single line of dialogue in Batman Forever when Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne tells Chris O'Donnell's Dick Grayson that his old traveling uh, circus is halfway to Metropolis. So the direct mention of Superman's hometown marks the first time a live-action DC movie alluded to its superheroes coexisting in the same universe. So simply by Batman saying Metropolis, they're like, all right, Batman and Superman exist in this universe together. And of course, this is going to be my closing uh, statement here. I wasn't going to walk away from this episode without uh, addressing the obvious... um, Do it. (laughs) The obvious uh, nipples that everybody knows of. So we're, we're <laughs> going to talk about bat nips here to close this out. Uh, so the bat suit, had, it had nipples. There's there's no other way around it. It's kind of just like it was out there. They even focused in on that chest plate at one point where you just see nips. You're like, I, I, I guess. So uh, in a big interview place uh, piece to, to promote the film just prior to its release, Jim Carrey, who played the Riddler in the movie, recalled that it pissed Bob Kane off uh, later, Bob Kane, the co-creator with Bill Finger of Batman, Bob Kane was walking around going, "I never put nipples on a bat suit. whoever heard of nipples on a bat suit?" <laughs> so he was like this old man just walking around the studio, just going, "This is stupid. Who would put nipples on the bat suit?" Um, so whose decision was it? Director Joel, Joel Schumacher, Schumacher's ultimately. Uh, in the same article, he said that Bob Kane doesn't understand why Chris O'Donnell's Robin had an earring and Batman had nipples. I told him, it's the 90s, Bob, everybody's pumped up. So that's- Everybody has nipples, That was the direct quote from him. Uh, Schumacher added that I wanted a very sexy, very sensual, very body hugging suit. It's my Gotham City. And if I want Batman to have nipples, he's gonna have (laughs) nipples. That is a direct quote. So I did did not uh, make that up or pull that from any unnamed source. That is a direct quote. From the director himself, and with that, this is my review <laughs> for the haters for Batman Forever.
0: For the haters, too, Bat Nips,
1: Bat Nips, I don't know. <laughs> cutting edge, it's Cut still with those it things. still
0: makes no goddamn sense.
1: It doesn't make any sense, but we're all living in Joel Schumacher's I, world where he wanted to like that. I
0: recently uh, I followed the Batman subreddit, yeah, and someone posted a of picture of, of the suit. From Batman Forever, like I think it was just a few days ago, and they're like, aside nipples aside, like what do we like, don't like about the suit? You can't didn't go know, aside
1: from the nipples. The nipples I, are the focal point.
0: Look at it again. I didn't notice. I've never noticed this until someone pointed out the abs, like the built-in abs on the suit, are like nipple high. Are they? Like they start <laughs> they're super. Like, high. They're like got, not you where your abs are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> your ribcage's just abs the now.
0: Whole suit makes. No sense <laughs>
1: anatomically. Just ass backwards it's, it's
0: weird. It's so weird. We'll
1: have to take but, another look at that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad. You know, that's good on Schumacher. You know, for it
1: he, there was with his artistic. It's visions. his world, and we're all just living in it. We're
0: mm-hmm. just living in it. Fucking yeah, Bob. Right, yeah. no. Bob Kane. Bob Kane just walking around going, "Who would put nipples on a bat suit?" <laughs> look, if he if he had such a problem with the bat nipples, he'd take his fucking grab his Batman. Turn the other way. You could run faster, jump higher, <laughs> frolic harder.
1: You're damn right he could. Deuces.